to Let Us Go Into the House of the Lord. Today we're going to talk about the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, yes, we're in that Advent season awaiting for the coming of Christ. Uh, in the Evangelical Lutheran Hymnary, the second Sunday of Advent, the emphasis is on watchfulness. That'll come through with uh, the uh, the lessons that we have uh, and uh, all, all the themes, really, that, that are, are tied in with this. It, it's really close to, uh, out of all the Sundays in Advent, I think it's the closest. The second Sunday in Advent is closest to uh, the uh, Sundays of end times, uh, the three Sundays that close the church year that are looped right in now to the, the beginning of the new church year. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of dive right in here. Um, we'll be following uh, right one at Our Saviors uh, in the hymnary, which is the known as the Bugenhagen service. Uh, it's on page 41 at the front part of the hymnary. Um, and we'll be using the full, the full service. This is for December 6th, and so that's the first Sunday in December, uh, which means we will be celebrating Holy Communion uh, at Our Saviors here. Uh, but I'll just start us off with uh, the Old Testament lesson uh, and then we'll we'll figure out what hymns and things we're going to select for for this Sunday. So the Old Testament lesson is from Micah, uh, chapter four, verses one through seven. In the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the highest among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and peoples will stream to it like a river. Many nations will come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will render judgment between many peoples. He will settle disputes between mighty nations from far away. They will pound their swords into plowshares and their spears into blades for trimming vines. Nation will not raise the sword against nation, and they will not learn to how to wage war any longer. Each man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree. There will be no one to make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of armies has spoken. For all the other peoples walk in the names of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. On that day, says the Lord, I will bring in the lame and gather the scattered, even those I have afflicted. I will establish the lame as survivors and the scattered as a powerful nation. The Lord will rule over them on Mount Zion from that time on and forever. So there we have this uh, blessed picture of the last day. Uh, the last days is how, how that text begins. Uh, we're looking forward to a specific day that is that is going to be happening. And it, on that day, uh, you hear uh, repeated in the text as well. Uh, and peace is something that's emphasized throughout all of this. It's all about the peace that's going to come to the whole world uh, it's a peace between nations, it's a peace between neighbors, uh, it's a peace that we are all going to share. Uh, so we get that uh, picture of the, the last times uh, really emphasized there and, and what a blessing those last times are for the believers in Christ. I'm going to jump right into the epistle lesson and see how all these lessons are connected here. So the epistle is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 15, verses 4 through 13. Indeed, whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that through patient endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we would have hope. And may God, the source of patient endurance and encouragement, grant that you agree with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that with one mind, in one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this reason, accept one another as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. For I am saying that Christ became a servant of those who are circumcised for the sake of God's truth, to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs. He also did this so that the Gentiles would glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this reason I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. 
And again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples give him praise. And again, Isaiah says, There will be a root of Jesse, and he is the one who will rise up to rule the Gentiles. On him the Gentiles will place their hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe, so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are several uh, words that are repeated in here and uh, in that last verse of this text. The God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace. Hope, joy, and peace. Uh, on our Advent wreath at Our Saviors, there are four words uh, hanging in banners uh, from uh, the, the wreath on which the candles sin sit. And those words are love, joy, peace, and hope. So three of those words are here in this text, even all together in one verse. Uh, I can't imagine that's a complete accident, um, but it, it really emphasizes what we're looking at with these uh, end times as we're looking towards the second coming of Jesus, how he will come to give us this joy and peace, and we look forward to that with hope. Uh, that's the center of all of this. Uh, Advent, uh, when when we emphasize Advent uh, over Christmas as, as a time before Christmas, to some, it might sound like we're de-emphasizing that season of joy, like Christmas doesn't matter as much, uh, and we really need to focus on on this penitential season of Advent, and we need to be sad for a while. But really, Advent isn't about sadness or, or really reining in the joy necessarily. It's about channeling that joy in the right paths. It's about looking to where that joy actually comes from, and what that means, that we have that joy now, and how we look forward to that joy being fulfilled. Now we have it in hope, and then we will have it in fullness. Uh, and so with that, too, we look at uh, how this whole text is talking about the Gentiles. Uh, and uh, that that's really Paul's main point in all of this, that the Gentiles are brought in, grafted in by Christ. He is their king. He is our king, our ruler, our savior. Uh, so that we also glorify God. We are brought in for that purpose, to glorify God. Um, yeah, so all right, we're, we're going to jump right now on to the gospel lesson. This is from Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 36. And Jesus is speaking, and he says, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and on the earth nations will be in anguish, in perplexity, at the roaring of the sea and the surging waves, People fainting from fear and expectation of the things coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to happen, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is near. He told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they are sprouting leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is actually near. So also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Amen, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Watch yourselves, or else your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the worries of this life, and that day may come on you suddenly, for it will come like a trap on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Stay alert all the time, praying that you may be able to escape all these things that are going to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So there we get that uh, watchfulness theme that we, we're watching for that day. Uh, as we're emphasizing the joy of all of this, it's important to, to emphasize also the, the negative side of that, uh, the, the relief 
of it that uh, the not being watchful and not uh, anticipating that coming will lead to a lack of joy. Uh, that if we aren't prepared for that day, we won't participate in that joy. But how are we prepared? Uh, we watch the signs. We look at all of that. And we lift up our heads and know that our redemption is near. We, we understand what that day means and what Jesus is bringing to us with that day, that last day. All right, so now we'll, we'll talk about um, the, the hymns and music selection for this. Uh, it being Advent again, um, when we get through the liturgy, we will not be singing any alleluias. We won't be singing the Gloria and Excelsis. Um, so it, that, some of that joy is, is muted a little bit here, but it's, it's, again, the emphasis is on channeling that and looking forward to where that joy is fulfilled. Um, I have in front of me the um, book of uh, lessons and, uh, and prayers uh, from Mark DeGarmo, who was uh, one of the editors on the uh, Evangelical Lutheran Hymnary. Uh, and he has some suggested hymns for each Sunday and festival in the in the church year. Um, and the, the one that he, he recommends as the, the chief hymn for the second Sunday of Advent is hymn number 100. Uh, hymn number 100 is The Bridegroom Soon Will Call Us, um, which sounds a little bit, uh, w- when it gets through even that first verse, uh, may all our lamps be burning and oil be found in store. Well, that really does sound like the last Sunday of the church here. It, it, uh, and that's that, that really is important. I think it, it emphasizes the same themes and ties it right in there uh, that this uh, watchfulness that we are supposed to have, which is what this emphasis is, uh, what this hymn is emphasizing, um, is... Uh, for the last day, but also like it's tied with this first advent of Christ too, that uh, we are prepared for his coming again because we have faith, having seen his first coming. Uh, so that's that's where we will um, have hymn number 100. It, it has seven verses. Uh, so I, I don't want to use all of them right away. I'm trying to decide how to split that up. Uh, one through four and five through seven is, is fairly logical. Um, and so that might make uh, a good emphasis there. But where to put them in the, the service itself? It being the chief hymn, um, I think verses one through four will work really well for that chief hymn place. Um, so that ends with the, the verse, Our Father, rich in blessing, will give us crowns of gold, and to his bosom pressing, impart a bliss untold, will welcome with embraces of never-ending love, and deck us with his graces in blissful realms above. So we'll get that uh, there at the um, chief hymn slot. So right before the sermon is what we'll sing, uh, we'll, when we'll sing those first four verses. So we'll sing verses five through seven. Um, we'll do that for closing. Because it it really does emphasize the home, the the end of all of this, and so what a pleasant note to end the service on, having that idea of that in yonder home shall never be silent music's voice. We're looking forward to that. That joy, that hope is is what we're leaving the service with. That really is what we're trying to do in that service altogether. Um, all right. Then as for for other hymns, um, a DeGarmo does recommend uh, hymn 167, which is the Queen of Chorales, as part of this. That's uh, listed in the hymnary as an epiphany hymn, but uh, it is 
a really good one. How lovely shines the morning star, the nations see and hail afar, the light of, in Judah shining. So we get that uh, the Gentiles being saved there. Uh, thou, David, son of Jacob's race, my bridegroom and my king of grace, for thee my heart is pining, lowly, holy, great and glorious, thou victorious prince of graces, filling all the heavenly places. Now this is something interesting too, because uh, if you look at the way this hymn is constructed, uh, and if you center the, the verses, the, all the words, uh, the each verse is designed so that it looks actually like a chalice. Uh, the, the words are, are formed in such a way that it, it forms a picture of a chalice, which ties right in with this idea of the Lord's Supper, that that's where our bridegroom is coming to us. So maybe that's uh, what we'll do here, uh, is we'll sing this as a distribution hymn. Um, it's only seven verses long, so we might finish it uh, in the within the distribution. We might not. Um, we, we've we've sung fewer verses uh, over a distribution before, but uh, I think this is an excellent distribution hymn here, and I can point that out in the service as well. Just look at how it's divided, how how this hymn is is constructed. Um, all right, so that leaves us with two more hymns to, to select here, the opening hymn and uh, the uh, hymn of thanks after the Lord's Supper. Um, and there, there, these Advent hymns are just absolutely wonderful. They're so rich in so many ways. Um, there's a Latin hymn, hymn number 96, Hark a Thrilling Voice is Sounding. Vox clara ecce intonat is the Latin. It's from the 6th century uh, or thereabouts. Um, Hark, a thrilling voice is sounding. Christ is nigh, we hear it say. Cast away the works of darkness, O ye children of the day. It ties right into that gospel lesson. Uh, it's an attention-grabbing hymn. Uh, so I think that's a, a really good opening hymn for this Sunday. Um, it does have five verses, so I might... Um, take one out, one or two. Um, I don't like cutting verses, but I, I don't want to overwhelm with too many hymns and hymn verses uh, for the untrained choir here. Um, one and two are tied together a little bit, uh, and verse five is the, the doxology verse. So maybe we'll sing verses one, two, and five. Um, and that will get us uh, opened up right away. Then for our Thanksgiving hymn. Um, it's, it's always nice to have something tied in with, with communion there. Um, but uh, it doesn't have to be, I think. Um, there are some, some closing hymns that DeGamo recommends here. I, I don't always go with just what he recommends, but it is handy to, to have those things. Um, Rejoice, Rejoice Believers is one that uh, is tied right in. I mean, that's the, the uh, uh, hymn for the last Sunday of the church year, so it uh, is connected with that. The day is surely drawing near, is similar. Um, a Watch and Pray is uh, a nice one that uh, gets that uh, watchfulness idea across there. Um, other ideas, though, with, um, oh, how shall I receive thee? Um that's one that uh, we'll be singing some of those verses the Sunday prior. Um, so I wonder if I can fit in some of those verses. Verses 5 through 7 are not going to be sung the Sunday 
prior. So I wonder, not, not, dear Lord, could move thee to leave thy rightful place, save love, for which I love thee, a love that could embrace a world where sorrow dwelleth, which sin and suffering fill more than the tongue e'er telleth, yet thou couldst love it still. Uh, and we get this rejoicing of those who still sit in gloom. Um, he comes, okay, um, the more I'm looking at this, uh, the more I'm, I'm liking it. Uh, hymn number 94, it's that uh, wonderful Paul Gerhardt hymn um, that uh, I, a fellow pastor said words that I, I, I agree with wholeheartedly that someday I wish I could write a sermon as wonderful and beautiful and comforting as this hymn. Uh, it's absolutely true. But in those verses, we emphasize the coming of Christ and that, you know, singing that right after communion. Let's see how Christ comes to us in his sacrament there. Uh, how he, he still comes to us in our darkness, but he comes without any effort of our own. Uh, he comes to us with his grace. All right, so, so far the hymns. Uh, now I want to look at the, the psalms. And um, in those terms, the, the, the psalm recommended in the hymnary for the second Sunday of Advent is Psalm number 80, which we do have in the hymnary. It's on page 183 going over to 184. It's 19 verses long, so it's a, a little bit of a longer one. Um but, uh, it, I mean, it, it's going to fit perfectly. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth, calling for him to, to stir up uh, and, and come, uh, restore us, save us. Uh, I, I think um, it's great. Um, I mean, it's all, all the Psalms are great, of course. Um, I don't know if I want to do all 19 verses, though, because I don't want to overwhelm people. Um, but uh, it could go through verse 8. That emphasizes the uh, exodus from Egypt. Uh, you have brought a vine out of Egypt, the people. You have ca cast out the nations and planted it. Or verse 7, alternately, restore us, O God of hosts, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Uh, which is a repeated line throughout that psalm itself. Um, it, it's how the psalm ends as well with verse 19. Um, similarly, anyway, not exactly. Uh, but uh, maybe we'll end there at verse 7. Psalm 80, verses 1 through 7. And that'll uh, tie together some of those themes. I should look at the, the collect as well for this Sunday, just so that, just that we round that out. Uh, a little bit here. The collect for the second Sunday of Advent is collect number three. Stir up our hearts, O Lord, to make ready the way of your only begotten Son, so that by his coming we may worship you with pure minds through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. And there again, the emphasis is let's uh, get this true worship uh, of God. Um, the emphasizing what what uh, the coming means for our worship, for our hearts. Uh, so we'll get that across uh, pretty clearly um, in the psalm, in the, the texts. The hymns tie all that together as well, uh, that uh, when Jesus comes for us, uh, as he's coming now, even in word and sacrament, uh, our worship is is made correct. We are, we're made wise like those uh, uh, virgins in Jesus' parable from the last Sunday of the church year so that we have our lamps burning, so we have enough oil in store. Uh, so uh, that, that rounds up uh, rounds out the, the service for the second Sunday of Advent, I think, quite nicely. Um, we'll get uh, kind of a, a boom start with Hark! 
a thrilling voice is sounding. Uh, then we'll hear about how that bridegroom is coming. We'll sing about how lovely shines the morning star, how he comes to us in that sacrament. Uh, and we'll, we'll marvel that he comes with that grace. Uh, and then we'll close looking ahead to what that hope will be fulfilled in with these hymns. So that, uh, that'll conclude our, our study for uh, the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, I hope this enriches your, your own worship and devotion. Uh, if you are not able to worship in person uh, for various reasons, I, I'm, I'm sorry that that isn't working for you, but know that uh, God is still with you with his word and sacraments, and he does uh, enrich you. Reach out to your fellow Christians. Don't be alone because we aren't called as Christians to be alone in this world. Uh, we, we have uh, our fellowship with one another. Uh, so reach out even for a conversation, ask for a prayer, or offer to pray for one another. Uh, reach out to your pastor uh, if you're on your own and um, ask him for private communion or, or private absolution. Uh, pastors love to, to grant those requests so much. That's what we're called to do. So until we meet again, God's blessings. Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From our fancy to yours.